on 89.9 The Light. You're in conversation with Clayton, and it is just wonderful to be able to have a chat to a man whose uh, life story, or at least a portion of his life story, is featured in the new film that's just come out, Sons of the South. Yeah, Son of the South. He joins us now via the wonders of Zoom. It's Bob Zellner. How are you, Bob? I'm fine today. Thank you. Hello, Australia. It is wonderful to be able to have a, a chat with you. Um, first of all, I mean, we're going to get into your story, but what is it like actually having, you know, a feature film made about part of your life? Well, it it, uh, it has a life of its own, and uh, movies are so powerful that uh, it just gets completely out of hand. So uh, we're in the midst of it being completely out of hand, but we're having a good time. Excellent. Let, let's set it up. If somebody uh, perhaps has never, ever seen this film, or uh, also maybe they haven't heard much of your story, take us back to uh, where, where the setting of this story is, um, and we... So sort of based around the film, first of all, and then we're going to explore it a bit more in your life. Could you, how do you summarize what the film is, is talking about? <clears throat> well, the film is talking about uh, growing up in uh, the deep south uh, of the United States, Alabama, to be exact, and uh, growing up in a, uh, a fundamentalist Christian uh, terrorist family because my father and my grandfather, uh, his father, were in the Ku Klux Klan. So it's about uh, being brought up in uh, South Alabama in a, a former, uh, well, my father was able to break from the Ku Klux Klan. So when he became a Methodist minister, he couldn't reconcile the Klan teachings with the teachings of the church or the Bible. And so he left the Klan and when he did, he was uh, disowned by his own father and mother, and his brothers never spoke to him again in his whole life. So it's a, it's a fraught uh, subject in the South, but uh, the story is about me joining the Civil Rights Movement back in uh, the late 1950s and the early 1960s, becoming a uh, field secretary for the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, which was one of the main uh, civil rights organizations, especially for young people. Yeah. Uh, you know, here in Australia, we certainly um, don't have uh, clean hands when it comes to our position and our understanding around racism over time. Um, certainly that is something that uh, not only do we have uh, a fair few things to still deal through uh, in our lives uh, as Australians, but there's also, I suppose, an aspect that we still don't quite understand and grapple with uh, what racism really meant in the South during that time. Um, it seems like from the way you're, you're saying it currently, Bob, that it, it was, it's almost expected to be um, institutionalised and also family uh, generations are supposed to follow in this way. And this, you know, the Ku Klux Klan, suddenly there was a break in that. Um, are we summarising that fairly for everybody or was that more just your family? Uh, no, that was pretty much uh, for everybody in the Deep South, uh, because uh, if you were a dissenter, if you didn't support segregation, uh, you were likely to be ostracized. And if you took any action, uh, you could uh, be severely punished. You could be arrested. You could be beaten. Sometimes you could be killed. And when I joined uh, SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, 
in the first uh, six or eight uh, months of my work with the uh, committee, uh, at least a half a dozen of my mates were uh, lynched. They were murdered by, uh, by racists here in the deep South. So it was very dangerous to do, but uh, we had people like John Lewis and uh, uh, we had people who were, especially a lot of young people who were willing to risk their whole life to uh, change this way of life. Yeah. I mean, you risked an awful lot as well. I think if I'm not mistaken, so 18 times you went to jail. Um, the, I'm guessing you've beaten a number of times uh, as you've gone through that as well. The reason that you were treated like that, was, was it because you were someone who was white, who was part of the civil rights movement? Was it because you were just part of the civil rights movement? What was the reasons that you were treated like that too? Well, especially in the early period of the modern civil rights movement, uh, the racist and the segregationist, uh, they thought that any dissent uh, in the white community had to be uh, severely punished so as not to encourage other people who had doubts about uh, the racism and the, the apartheid. Uh, the, the dissent was not tolerated at all. So you could be, uh, uh, your family could be uh, targeted for violence uh, or you yourself. Um, in my first demonstration, uh, they tried to gouge my eyes out uh, because if you dissented, you were questioning a way of life. And uh, they thought that any break in the uh, united front of white people was very dangerous. That's why they uh, came down on it so hard. Yeah. Uh, in the film, we see, you know, the person who's playing your, you, Bob, um, you know, working through what it means to actually be a part of this, that uh, there's the, the questioning, do I really want to sort of be a part of it? I, I like the idea of, of standing for this civil rights concept, but when it rubber hits the road, am I really going to do it? And, and obviously in the end we see, yep, this character does actually step forward and, and he's fully immersed in it. Was that actually your experience that there was this sort of wavering moments as you tried to work it through or were you always fully in? Was it moments that changed it for you? How, how, how real is that to life for you? Well, there were uh, moments when I was, uh, especially in the early going, when I was very reluctant to get involved. Um, and I, I actually first began to get involved as a high school student. But by the time I went to college, I was in Montgomery, Alabama, which was a hotbed of, uh, of racism. And um, when I first began to get involved, I was very um, careful and very reluctant because I, I knew that uh, my mother was a school teacher and she would lose her job. My father was a minister. He'd lose his church. And I had four brothers, three younger, and they would be persecuted because of me. So I was very, um, I was very wary about getting involved. And that's a big theme of the movie, uh, Son of the South. Uh, so that as I began to try to learn more about it, I was not even allowed to, uh, to study the question, even though I was in a sociology course in college and given an assignment to study uh, the racial problem and write a, a thesis paper on it. And uh, when five of us began to do that, 
uh, we were asked to resign from school because we had uh, brought dishonor on uh, our college and we had broken the segregation laws. Mm. Um, as you sort of, you know, go through this journey and, and progress through, you say, you know, you're worried about your mum, worried about your dad and their positions, your brothers. As we zoom through and, and you know, obviously you, you fully commit to this and you're, you're a part of this movement for a long time. Um, was there ramifications for them? Did they actually end up, um, you know, because of the, the things that you were involved in, have discrimination for them in different ways? Yes, uh, they were. They were uh, persecuted because of my actions. And uh, my father also suffered very much in his uh, uh, profession because uh, even ministers were um, required to not preach about uh, race. Uh, we could have uh, the Ku Klux Klan in Birmingham, where my father was from, uh, bombed a church one Sunday morning and killed four little girls in Sunday school. And uh, the ministers still were supposed to uh, keep their uh, keep quiet and not preach from the from the pulpit of how this uh, violates the uh, the moral and Christian laws. And my father was not. He didn't hold his tongue. He he was very vocal on it. And so he was sent to some of the worst Klan areas to serve churches. And the, the Klan uh, uh, persecuted him and uh, my mother and my three, especially my three younger brothers, suffered greatly. And all during the time that I was uh, on the staff of SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, they were persecuted uh, from morning to night. And uh, they would, because my name was Zellner, it wasn't Smith or Jones. Um, and it was in the newspaper all the time. Whatever I did was in the newspaper. And people would say, are you related to Bob Zellner? And they'd say, yes, he's my brother. And we're very proud of him. So my brothers stood up for me too, but they suffered for it. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like, and certainly is portrayed in the, the film as well, Son of the South, that, um, you know, this, this upbringing, this faith upbringing for, for, from your father and was a sort of a, a platform for you of the values and the, the reason you stepped forward. What impact did faith play in your life then and I suppose even now? Well, the main impact that it had on me was that um, uh it was not unusual for Christians to suffer persecution. And the, in fact, the early Christians, just to be a Christian, you could be uh, persecuted, you could be killed. And so uh, they had to um, take care of each other and uh, they had to be very careful. So um, when I was growing up, and my father had left the Ku Klux Klan and began to preach uh, the real gospel from the pulpit, um, I learned that it was uh, the honorable thing to do uh, to take a stand and to take risks. Um, and uh, the Bible is full of people who took risks for, the, uh, for their beliefs and suffered greatly. Many of them were uh, persecuted, executed, thrown into the uh, lion's den, uh, thrown into the fire. Uh, so it was part of my upbringing that uh, you were supposed to uh, take a risk for what you believed in. Mm. 
I think that's a really interesting way to look at it, isn't it? Because so often uh, faith uh, in a whole lot of different contexts seems to be portrayed as um, to keep it calm, to not rock the boat, to just do what's always been done. But you're right. I mean, that's certainly you read through the Bible and, and it's full of people who are taking risks as they believe God has led them to that. My guest is Bob Zellner. He is uh, featured in the film Son of the South. In fact, it's about his life story. We're going to be back with him in a couple of minutes time, asking him about the impact that he sees from the work that he did and also where he thinks the states are currently sitting on this same sorts of issue that uh, so many years ago he was a part of trying to change uh, his take on that next on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and my guest is Bob Zellner. His life story or at least a portion of his life story is uh, told in this brand new film that's just come out, Son of the South, talks about his work with uh, the civil rights movement as a white man from the South, uh, right in the middle of the late 50s and early into the 60s. Um, Bob, one thing I wanted to ask, and, and I have to say, obviously, when you first hear about something, you don't know much about it. And so I heard Son of the South, I saw the photo, I went, oh, is this one of those white saviour movies where the the white guy's the hero of all of what it is and those sorts of things? And then saw, oh, it's by Spike Lee. That's a bit of an unusual mix around it. Uh, and certainly as I went and watched the film, I, I came away from the fact that um, this is not designed, in fact, it doesn't come across as a, a white saviour. In fact, you were taking part and understanding and trying to understand all of what was happening for those who were being um, you know, discriminated against and persecuted during this time of the civil rights um, movement. Were you happy with the, the, the way that that film was projected that side of what it could have been otherwise? Yes, I was very happy about that. And uh, uh, Barry Alexander Brown, the director, and Spike Lee and myself, we were very concerned about uh, not being a white savior movie. And uh, if and the, the, the script that we produced and the movie that we made uh, is not about me having a major influence on the civil rights movement and being the savior of anybody. It was the movement that changed me and gave me an opportunity to be uh, a whole person. And to uh, I've always made the point in my work with SNCC that uh, I was fighting for my own rights because as a student, I was not allowed to uh, even investigate uh, the subject, even though it was an academic sub subject on my campus. I was not allowed to do that because when I did go to uh, Reverend Abernathy's church for a, a nonviolent workshop, I was asked to leave school along with four other students because we went to a church. And uh, so we didn't have the right. Our rights uh, were being trampled on. So uh, part of my early involvement in the movement was to fight for my own civil liberties under the First Amendment of our Constitution that says that we can believe what we want to believe, we can say what we want to say, and we can associate with whom we please. Th these are all rights that are guaranteed to our Constitution. And those racists who were trying to um, preserve segregation and our caste system, our racial caste system, they uh, were the ones that were violating the Constitution, not, not us. Yeah. Um, as you sort of 
look back at that period in in your life uh, you know you very clearly we can see how proud you are of the fact that you were a part of uh, trying to make that difference is there anything that as you go back you went oh, i would have i would have changed that or i would have done that differently uh, during that period of time yes so uh, there are some things that i would uh, go back and change with the current uh, knowledge uh, we don't have an opportunity to do that in this country, uh, in the United States, we do have a, another opportunity, though, to defend our democracy because uh, recently it has been challenged by those same racist forces. And so we're in a new organizing project here in Alabama, once again, 60 years after we first got involved as an organizer. Uh, Pamela and I are still in Alabama uh, working to change uh, the system. And we're having a lot of success. Uh, there's a whole movement now in the South, and it's being embraced by the business community of uh, museums and uh, civil rights trails and all kinds of programs in the Deep South now to preserve this important part of American history. And uh, it's not like just doing something for uh for the sake of stuff 50 years ago, it's doing something to try to restore our democracy. We've practically lost our democracy, but because we recently had a president that uh, tried to overturn a free and fair election, a lot of people now are seeing how fragile democracy can be and how precious and important it is. And they are also getting the challenge from many of us that as a a constitutional democracy, a republic, we are supposed to follow the constitution. And one of our main religions is the Christian religion. And we need to follow the tenets of that and the other great religions that we have. And we've certainly not been doing that on a worldwide basis. And it's harmed our reputation, harmed our uh, uh, influence in the world. And we want to restore our democracy and we want to deal once and for all of the racist uh, genocidal past that we have. Mm. It, it does seem as, and obviously purely from an, an outsider observing into the, the US at the moment that um, certainly there is massive political divides occurring. Uh, that's mm -hmm. pretty clear, but it seems like there's an, an undertone of racism that, that sometimes or, or quite often is, is what that politicization is based on. Is that something that you sort of sit there and go, oh my goodness, uh, uh, I can't believe we're back here. Uh, didn't, didn't, we, didn't we move through this so much, so many, many decades ago? Is that something that is frustrating to you or is it something you just say, well, you know what, we just get back on, on, on the horse and we just keep going. Uh, how do you look at that? Well, I think the, the latter is probably the most uh, true, because uh, one thing we learned in the history of the movement is that freedom is a constant struggle. In fact, we have a freedom song that says freedom is a constant struggle because you can't just win your freedom and then sit back and say, oh, that's fine. And that's what happened when we elected our first uh, African-American president, uh, President Obama. Many people said, okay, well, that's dealt with now and no more racism. We're in post-racial uh, society. 
and let's take a rest. And that was when the right wing came back with a, with a vengeance. And they learned our techniques of grassroots organizing. And they had a 25 or 30 year plan to move us back to an ancient, ancient part of our history where men were the only voters and white men at that and white men with wealth. And we have a, a new political party now in the United States that doesn't have a new name, it's still called Republicans, which used to be the progressive party in our country. And they have gone back to uh, way, way back so that uh, it's a cult of personality and they intend to establish an authoritarian government in this country without the messy necessity of voting. And we're not willing to go back that way. We're fighting to go forward, not backwards. Mm. So it seems like from what I'm hearing, if I'm, I'm joining the dots correctly, Bob, that um, you're putting a number of different things together here uh, to, to say, look, actually, um, we talk about even things like elections, but that has very directly to do with racism or it has very directly to do with social equality or social justice on these things. And, and you're seeing that they're actually running together. Yes, they are run together. And we have some scholarship now that's going on in this country. There's a new book called Cast, and it uh, shows how uh, America or the United States has had a caste system since the very beginning. And the caste system is extremely resilient, and they will do almost anything to keep this caste system in place. And in fact, we are embarrassed to find out in our history now that uh, South Africa, when they were looking for a system of apartheid, they studied our system of segregation in the United States. And uh, Hitler's Germany, when they were uh, uh, beginning to uh, formulate the racial laws um, that would uh, lead to the genocide in Germany, they studied uh, the caste system in the United States. And they came to the conclusion that the caste system in the United States was so severe and so rigid that it would not be accepted by the German people. Because in the United States, one drop of African-American blood made you um, automatically the lowest caste. And uh, it, even the Germans found our caste system to be too uh, rigid and strict. Mm. Uh, th this idea of caste is a really interesting one because, you know, we often associate that with, say, India or something like that, but uh, a really interesting way to look at that. Bob, final question, and we've taken a whole lot of your time, so thank you for it. Um, uh, my question is, uh, as people watch this movie, Son of the South, what, what do you hope they walk away with? I know that for my wife and I, as we sat and we watched it, that, um, you know, I think our conversation with each other was, boy, what am I standing up for? What are, you know, it, it, this is our conversations where it got to. Um, is that what you're hoping or is there something more that you're hoping people walk away with? Well, one of the things I'm hoping that people will come away with is that it relates to their lives and it relates to their experience. And I remember when the, uh, when the book, uh, The Wrong Side of Murder Creek was finally published uh, in 2008, I remember with, with delight that some of the first letters that I got about the book were from Australia. 
from our Aboriginal people that said, oh, that's so much like our system here. That's so much like my experience. So this is a, an experience that people have had all over the world where uh, certain groups of people, for one reason or another, have been selected to be uh, persecuted and exploited. And uh, we are we're delighted that there's an interest in Australia and in New Zealand in this subject. And we hope that the movie will have a good run. And we hope to come there uh, and visit our friends and relatives in both Australia and New Zealand. So we're looking forward to that. Sounds great. We'd love to have you, Bob. Thank you so much again for your time. It's been wonderful having a chat to you. Bob Zellner is the man whose life is featured in Son of the South, this new film that has just come out. This is 89.9 The Light.